everyone. Welcome once again to Run Out Radio, presented by Lucasi Hybrid Cues, the Tap League, and Simonis Billiard Cloth. I'm Jerry Forsythe, alongside Mike Howerton. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How about you? Oh, I can't complain. You know, it hadn't been all that long uh, since our last Run Out Radio, but... Uh, A few things have occurred. Would you like to bring us up to date on anything? Yeah, let's see. Um, We talked at the end of our last show about Player of the Year, and we we put our heads together and came up with, well, we put both of our heads together and came up with uh, a couple of good thoughts. Uh, Darren Appleton was our Player of the Year for the men, which I think was a a lot less close race than the women. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Darren had a, a real nice beginning of the year and a, an amazing end of the year with a U.S. Open, a Euro Tour, and then Moscone Cup all in a matter of about two months there. Um, on the women's side, again, it came down to Guy Young Kim and Jasmine, and we went with Guy Young. Um, that was an extremely close race. Um, we just felt that, at least on my end, um, felt that you know the tournaments that guy young finished or the tournaments that guy young won were were tougher fields um yep i mean you know this as well as i do but our our listeners don't i mean we talked about the idea of naming them co-players of the year because that's just how close it was and at least for me uh you know darren was was more of a big winner and and guy young um I don't want to say squeaked out player of the year because that kind of, you know, makes the achievement sound uh, less. But, um, you know, certainly both Jasmine and Guy Young have a lot to be proud of for their year. But I, I just think Guy Young had a better year. Yeah, and we get to speak to one of our players of the year later on today in this uh, episode of Run Out Radio. We're going to be talking to Darren Appleton. Our other guest today, by the way, will be Scott Frost. So y'all make sure you stay tuned for that. Um and, you know, I just got back from an event that we did the live stream with Pat Fleming on, uh, the Music City Open, and that's a bar table event, and it almost got me to respect bar table players. <laughs> almost? <laughs> almost. Um, it, it was a race to 11, and when I first heard that, I went, oh, no, who made that error? But... There's much, much less safety play on a bar table. And so the games went pretty quickly. Uh, everybody was uh, very offensive. Uh, and as it <laughs> turned out, I talked to, I talked to, yeah, I'm offensive in their playing <laughs> style. And uh, I talked to Buddy Hall and some other bar table experts, and they said, yeah, ducking on a bar table really doesn't pay off. Uh, you've got to go for the shots. Um, safety's, it's too easy to kick. On a bar table. Hmm. I'd never really thought about it that way. And uh, it, they would they would go for some ridiculous shots and make them. And uh, well, for one thing, they say that the the pocket size in relation to the table is much much larger on a bar box, which it is. You know, the number of square inches on a rail, and uh, compared to the square inches of pocket. The pockets are the same size on a bar table as they are on a nine foot. So you've got much more pocket per rail than you do on big tables. Now, when we talked to Gabe last time, um, we had talked about bar box play and that sort of thing, and I had made a comment that it seemed to me like a player at Gabe's level 
didn't have to ever miss playing on a bar table. What kind of uh, runs were you seeing put together out there? Fives and sixes pretty regularly. And I, I got to revisit some bar table philosophy with Buddy Hall. He came in the booth and did a couple of matches with us. And if anybody knows how to play on a bar box, it's Buddy Hall. And his basic philosophy on on the bar box is pretend that the bar box has no side pockets. Always play your position for the corner pockets. And that's because the table is so small. It's easy to overrun your position. If you overrun your position, you've got the side pockets for an escape valve. Hmm. And that's that's how he, that's his philosophy of bar box pool. Pretend like there are only four pockets on the table, the corners. And boy, was it working for him. He came in fourth and played great. I mean, Buddy was just playing great pool. And, you know, he's an old guy. He's, he's <laughs> like me. <laughs> so I was really impressed. Um, seeing as how we haven't seen Buddy anywhere in months and months, uh, did you get a chance to talk to him about his plans for the future as far as playing in events? He is going to start playing in more events. Uh, he's feeling better now. You know, he just had a bad patch for about five years where uh, things were really rough in the health department. But uh, he's getting around pretty good. Um, Got to say, he's a bit heavy. Uh, he could stand to, to eat a few fewer cheeseburgers. But um, his attitude is good. Um, his His mental state is good. And uh, I look forward to seeing him back around in some events. Well, the pool world can definitely uh, benefit more from Buddy playing. It's it's a lot of fun to watch. He went hill-hill with Johnny, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, went hill-hill with Johnny and, and and beat some great players. I'm, I mean, I was just amazed. Uh, it, was, it was really a great week. And, uh, of course, it was at J.O.B.'s Billiards, which is uh, now owned by a new fellow named Ricky Gamble, a young man who's doing a real good job. And uh, our old friend Peck Ledman is managing the place, so J.O.B.'s continues. Johnny won it? Yeah. Yep. Um, he, he, I don't think that there was anybody who could beat him this week. I mean, uh, Pinnaker knocked him over to the one loss side, uh, but then Johnny came back and beat him in a true double elimination final and beat him handily. Um, Johnny was just on fire. Uh, once he got his break working... Uh, he started making three, four, or five balls on every break, and uh, the racks were real short. Yeah, maybe maybe four or five years ago, before Shane was the name that he is today, I saw him gambling um, in Vegas during the BCA event, and he was playing a race to 17 with a guy. And, I mean, we've seen Shane's break on a nine-foot table, so you just imagine that break on a bar box. And, you know, it, it was such a pleasure to watch. I mean, he would crush the rack. The cue ball would stop right in the center of the table. By the time balls stopped rolling and falling into pockets, you know, there's five, six balls left on the table. And, I mean, it, it wasn't even a challenge. I mean, the, the guy that he was playing knew it wasn't a question of, is he going to miss a ball? It was a question of, is he going to have shape on the one after he crushes the next rack? So, you know, he'd break the guy. He'd be able to see the one, and you could just see the guy slump back down in the chair a little bit more, saying, all right, well, he's won that game. Yep. Well, can I change subjects on you? Uh, please do. 
we just found out that we're going back to our favorite place for grilled chicken and hummus. Uh, I didn't know they had that at Disneyland. Oh, no. We're talking about Fujara, United Arab Emirates. We're going back for the World 8-Ball Championship. You know, personally, I hate flying over big bodies of water, um, and I don't particularly care to fly to begin with, but they take such amazing good care of us and all the players at that event. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. definitely a pleasure to go to that event every time. It is, and uh, we're going to be doing live streaming there. We'll have the brackets as usual. Uh, so once again, uh, Simonis and Tap League and Lucasi have come through, and all our fans will be able to watch table by table as the, as the racks progress one after another, and you'll be able to watch. Um, you'll be able to know who's winning on every table, who wins every match, and you'll be able to see all the players as they progress through the tournament. So that's in mid-February. Now keep in mind that that's about 12 hours difference from uh, most of the folks here in the U.S. So everybody has a month to get their their internal clocks uh, changed over to the to Fujara time because you don't want this going on while you're sleeping. Yeah, well, you know, I figure after you come in from your league night, you know, you just turn on the computer and there we are. Yeah, it'll work perfect for me because I think it'll take place on my sleep schedule. That's right. That's right. You'll be awake for one. <laughs> um, <laughs> while we are going to that event, we are not going to Derby. Um, and, and those of you listening to this will probably start listening to it uh, while Derby is going on and then after it's finished. But no, we're not going to Derby. We do have a representative at the tournament who will be covering it for us. Uh, it's just getting started today when we're doing our uh, our recording of this, so you'll be listening to it in a couple of days. Um Biggest letdown at Derby this year so far is that Efren's not going to be there. That That is a disappointment because, obviously, he was the king of the hill last year, uh, master of the table, and uh, that was his – he won half the money that he won last year was won at Derby City. And so for him to be out uh, due to what we understand is a minor back operation uh, is really quite a shock. Definitely. But – Derby City, um, the reigning one-pocket champion, Scott Frost, will be there. Um, we're getting ready to talk to Scott. You want to get to that? Why don't we? Scott, how are you today? What's going on, guys? How are you doing? Great. Uh, Scott, you've got a uh, brand-new DVD coming out all about one-pocket. Give us some details. Um, it's basically called Power One Pocket. Um, the DVD is based on a lot of power shots, um, returning the break, uh, some taking fouls, some power endgame shots. Basically, the, the DVD is based around what I pretty much believe in as a forefront for my One Pocket game, which is powerful shots. Um, you can turn the game around in one to two shots. You can win a game from one shot. Uh, I guess since I'm getting older, I've decided to uh, go ahead and make the transition into hopefully spreading a little of my knowledge towards the game. Well, Scott, I've watched a little bit of the DVD, and it's definitely not your beginner's one-pocket instructional DVD. I mean, there's right. It, it, there's no hand-holding going on in there. You pretty much just come right out. You expect people know how to play the game, how to bank balls, you know, the, is yeah. this really targeted at the advanced player? 
No, um, basically, you know, when you when you're selling something like this, especially with the game One Pocket, uh, you're you're not gonna just. I'm not gonna take this DVD, even though I'm gonna attempt it and take it to a Mueller's or a uh, a high end uh, retail billiard store and sell it to the general public. The general public, in my opinion don't have a great idea of the game to begin with and somebody like me I think it'd be much more difficult starting from the ground up as far as basics and teaching this game in a DVD so I just shot from the hip with this DVD and I kind of explained it in the DVD that it's one of my first it is my first DVD so basically I'm trying to catch the people that have been playing the game a little bit and want to elevate their game I mean uh, I show some simple shots and then there's more advanced shots, and I show why I'm shooting them, but I'm already expecting the person to be able to at least know how to control their cue ball. Well, seeing as how we're both uh, from out here in Phoenix, I know a little bit about the background. I know that uh, you know you and Lenny, uh, Fast Lenny on the forums, had worked together. Um, how did that whole thing come together? Uh, Lenny had been telling me that I should do a DVD, and I honestly didn't have the confidence in myself. I'm not real good at explaining myself, or at least I'm my, my own worst critic. So, I it took him a little bit to uh, to talk me into it. And once I got into it, um, it was pretty much all over with. I actually enjoyed it. It was a lot of work, but I actually enjoyed it. And it's opened a new a new window or a new door, if you'd say, for me, as far as maybe instructing or people that are walking by can ask me questions. I'm definitely more um, I don't know. Um, Conversive, or I can speak to people a lot easier now than I probably could even a year ago about uh, about the game itself and about certain shots and my opinion on things. So well, he basically got me into it, uh, and and I'm glad he did. Well, let's cover some pretty important ground here. Uh, if I wish to purchase this DVD, where do I go to purchase it? How can I find it? And if I want personal lessons, how can I get in touch with you to arrange that sort of thing? Yeah, great. Um, I'm at Colby's Corner Pocket almost every single day. Phone number there is 480-829-7344. You can purchase Power One Pocket at www.ontherailtv.com. And that is Lenny Marshall's site. He uh, live streams pool matches. I'm also doing a small thing um, with with Inside Pool, and I'm hoping down the road with Mr. Mike here and <laughs> even you, Jerry, we could uh, get a little something with uh, with you guys out there. So uh, www.ontherailtv.com is where you can order Power One Pocket. It's thirty nine ninety five. It's an hour and a half of solid pool, a couple stories at the end. It's pretty entertaining. Well, uh, the... The fans who are listening to this don't know, but we're actually doing this interview two days before Derby City starts. Um, last year, Derby City, you won the One Pocket Division. Now, most anyone who follows One Pocket would agree that there's like a top two or three One Pocket players in the world, and your name is always mentioned in that group. But until last year, you hadn't won that One Pocket title. Um what was it like to get that uh, monkey off your back? Uh, it was a huge relief. You know, um, it's it's kind of crazy because it seems like this year I even have more pressure because uh, I just, you know, being in that spotlight or at least being in, it, for me it's a dream, being in that 
uh, in that stage with that many players, it's not the money to me. It's more, much more the title. Um, but with 500 or so players in a race to three, being that the year before I was in the finals and let it slip away, and then last year winning it um, is is a dream, you know. So I've actually done what I'd like to do. But like any athlete or, or pro player, if you'd say, they always want to do better. So I, I'm trying as hard as I can not to put pressure on myself to give myself a great letdown in a race to three and so many players. But I'm I'm looking forward to giving myself a chance to win the tournament again this year. Well, now, prior to us starting this interview, uh, you had mentioned a a particular Filipino who usually does well out there. Uh, Efren's yeah. not going to be there this year? Um, well, we had it all set up. We we just played a money match in Virginia Beach during the U.S. Open. Um, we played two races. He won the first race. I doubled the bet. I won the second race. And... Um, he and I talked quite a bit, and I'd spoke to him, and I said, hey, if I could set this up, would you be interested in playing me at the Derby? Because we did play last year. We played a small set. And he said, yeah, no problem. Go ahead and set it up. And uh, so I did all the, the, the legwork and got everything set up and even had it scheduled. Um, and we were supposed to play, the, I believe, the 22nd and the 23rd, the night of the 22nd and 23rd. And I think the bet was going to be around 20000 And we were going to play for AccuStats, Pat Fleming. Well, um, I just basically got notice from Lenny, actually, three days ago that he is having back surgery and unfortunately is not going to make it, which was a real letdown for me, and I'm sure it's an even bigger one for him. The fans have all got to be disappointed in hearing that. Yeah, I actually saw a couple things online. I think they were joking, but a couple of fans had said they're not even going to go if he's not going. Wow. So, which is, you know, he's he's so loved. It's uh, it's a possibility that that's true. You know, <laughs> I remember I remember as a kid just wanting to see him in person. So, well, now it wouldn't be uh, it wouldn't be fair for us not to mention you did a you had a challenge match with Efren here in Phoenix a couple of years ago. Sure. Yeah. It was pretty nice. We played here at Colby's. It was real nice. We played a race to eight, and um, I think the total prize was 5000 But that was another dream. <laughs> Anytime I get to play Efren, it's a dream no matter what. So uh, win or lose, I, I feel like I'm always a winner. Does Lenny still have that available on DVD? I believe he does. Um, we are actually coming out with another DVD also, just so you guys know. It's, it's on the same website, www on the rail tv.com cliff joiner and i played a big set in mobile and he took 15 of the best racks of that set out and he's selling it for a nice price 1995 including shipping so um you can check that out too and i believe that efren and i um here at colby's is still available there too you know um Scott, I was talking to Corey at a tournament a couple months ago and we got to talking about one pocket he said that, in his opinion, uh, the pro player mentality is that they would rather gamble at something like one pocket than any other game. Do you see that out there? You know, I, I'm always uh, trying to pick players' brains. You know, uh, Johnny Archer is a very good friend of mine. We went on the road together, stayed at his house. He he won't give me that impression, <laughs> but. Uh, 
actually there's there's some top players that are coming around. You know, they are really coming around. Earl Strickland, uh, believe it or not, Earl Strickland is a, is a big fan of the game. I mean, he preaches the game. He loves the game to death, and uh, he wants the game with a shot clock. <laughs> but you know, a lot of a lot of top players are coming around towards the game, and I, I think that that game, if it could some way be shortened and get into the public eye would be much more interesting than running one through nine or one through ten in order uh i personally just believe that uh you know i can play nine ball too and it just it, it gets real boring after a while uh, a lot of the public says well it's so exciting to watch and it's so fast well this day and age the young one pocket players you've got now it's nothing but power it's a couple moves then a bank and they run eight and out they've got to bump a ball here bump a ball there Plus, normally there's a lot more money involved when a gambling match is going on. So, for my gatherings, I'm hoping and I'm trying to even improve it a little bit that the public that does know a little bit about the game gets more interested and starts playing the game more. Well, it certainly can't hurt that uh, Mark Griffin's bringing back the U.S. Open, or, or not bringing back, but right. launching a U.S. Open one-pocket tournament just prior to his big event in May. Um, uh, that's great news. Yeah, I mean that's that's like a five-hour drive for you, so I assume you'll be there. Absolutely, that's great news. I'm really excited to hear that. They had uh, the last time I think I played in the U.S. Open one pocket was when it was in Vegas at uh, downtown at the Plaza, and I actually mm. uh, I feel like I got lucky and won that event. But that's the last time I played. So for it to be back in Vegas, I'm really excited about that. Well, I do have one question, uh, Scott, that you brought up there. You're talking about if you could shorten the game to make it more fan-friendly, that it might be accepted uh, more widely. Mm -hmm. Do you have any ideas on how you could shorten the game? I mean, sure. um, Of course. You know, right right off the hip, I would say... You play with ten balls. The first person to make five wins. You use a shot clock. Um, certain way to break them. Uh, just some, you, you just break it down real simple, and uh, it would actually excite the game and speed it up more. Use ten balls. First person to make five. There'd be a certain way to break them. You'd break. You'd rack them like a ten ball rack. I don't really know. I haven't even experimented much with a break like that, but. Uh, you know, you could use a shot clock, a 20-second shot, lo- shot clock, a 25-second shot clock. Ten balls on the table, first one to make five wins, or first one to make six, excuse me. Well, you know, in snooker, they've gone from 15 red balls to six to shorten snooker up to make it more okay. exciting. The fans are accepting that wildly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would like to see you just play around with um, uh, putting six balls out there. And the first guy to sink four, because that, that, well, that that's would, a one-pocket really game that can last five minutes. Absolutely. It's, it is a one-pocket game that could last five minutes, and who knows? If it comes down to one ball, it can last 25 minutes. That's that's a great idea. And if it does come down to one ball and lasts 25 minutes, it's going to be exciting. So, yeah, that's a good idea, and I, I guess I will play around with that. Well, Scott, thank you very much for your time. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing your DVD. Mike's already seen part of it. I haven't yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Good luck at Derby City. I'm sure that uh, you'll do well there. And uh, have a good one. Thanks for spending a little bit of time on the phone with us. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much, Jerry, and thank you very much, Mike. I appreciate it. Well, Scott sounds like he's pretty excited about that tape. I hope it does very well for him. Um, I think it will. It's uh, It's... Like I mentioned with him, it's not your average instructional DVD, and 
you know, I talked to Scott a little bit uh, when we weren't doing the recording, and it's really seemed to open up in his eyes the fact that he can do instructional uh, with players, uh, you know, who are interested in learning the game of one pocket. Uh, so it's it's opened up some new things for him, and, and I know both he and Lenny are real excited about this product, and they're looking forward to the next one. Well, that's great. I hope it does open up some new horizons for him. And speaking of new horizons, we've got a new player of the year on the line, Darren Appleton. Shall we give him a speak? Let's go. And we have another guest that we want to spend a little time with today. Uh, he is our new player of the year, Darren Appleton. Darren, how are you, buddy? I'm good, thank you very much. How, how are you two doing? Uh, we can't complain, can't complain at all. Um, I tell you, you were, uh, it got to be an easy choice for player of the year. You had quite a year, especially with the uh, outcome of the uh, Moscone Cup there. Yeah, maybe uh, the Moscone Cup sort of sealed the deal, I, I suppose, for the player of the year. But obviously, before the U.S. Open, I, I wasn't having a very good year. Uh, started off good winning the World Team Championship in uh, Germany in Feb, I think, uh, end, of, end of January through to like February the 7th. And then I, I had I had I had a rocky patch in the middle of the year, uh, but sort of come come good from the U.S. Open uh, October, November, December. I like seemed to it again and uh, just carried it on from 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 the U.S. Open. Uh, and obviously to finish the year the way I did uh, at the Moscone Cup, and then obviously winning the Player of the Year is like obviously uh, a great honour. And like Very to follow good. the champions uh, who was probably won it in the past. I'm guessing that uh, the, the likes of Rays have won it and Buster Mantis, Strickland, uh, Johnny Archer. So like to uh, be on the same list as them guys is great. Yeah, all familiar names. Darren, you know, you were talking about the year that you had, and and to start the year off with a bang like you did, um, you know, to win the the team championships, and then to have that dry spell for maybe six months there. I mean, is that is that sort of thing something that just gets on you? Because, I mean, you know you have the ability. There's no question there that you have the ability to to win just about any event that you're playing in. Now, certainly any player who's going to win a major event, you know, you've got to get a role here or there, but does it start to weigh on you after five or six months and you're just saying, you know, what what am I doing wrong or, or how do you deal with something like that? Yeah, uh, I think especially in the pool world, you, you're always going to have like a lot of, uh, 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 I think you're going to have a lot more lows than you are highs uh, just because of the standard of the game is uh, really, really high and like, like you said, you need a couple of roles here and there at the right time. Uh, and I think maybe winning the World Team Championship, and because I, I was the captain of the team as well, and obviously you're representing uh, your own nation, so I, I think after winning that, it, we 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 was on like a really really big eye. Uh, so maybe we won the World Team Championship a little a little bit too early in the year, uh, and I had a really good year in 2009 and 2008, and I, I probably took things for granted a little bit after the World Team Championship. I was sort of going to events and just thinking that I'm just automatically going to get the results. And I probably wasn't putting the work in on the table as much as what I should have been doing. Uh, and then, uh, but I, play, I played OK through March, and then uh, April I uh, had a bit of a bad patch there. 
And then I went to Las Vegas. I uh, didn't, didn't do great in the Masters there and the US Open 10 ball. And then I played Chris Bartram for money in a race of 100. Uh, and I feel as though I played really, really, really bad there. I got beat like 100 to 93, and it, and it was like a bit of a struggle. And after that match, I was sort of feeling sorry for myself a, a little bit. Uh, uh, didn't didn't really feel motivated to play the game at all. Uh, and it probably took me about a month to get over that loss, to be honest. When, when I look back now, and uh, probably, a, and then like when I, I and then like back in Europe, you got people like. Carl boys who were like dominating the Euro Tour and uh, like he's like ranked number one now on the Euro Tour. You got Chris Chris Mellon who's ranked number two. So like I was sort of like uh, losing the grip a little bit in the U- UK. Like never mind like on 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 like the world stage. So I, I suppose I've got them them guys to thank because it sort of gave me like a, a kick of the ass really t- to get myself together. Uh, and then, like, I went and uh, I went to see uh, a guy about uh, me Q action around uh, the end of July, I think. And uh, he said that I was I was gripping the the end of the uh, butt a, a little bit too too tight for certain shots. So uh, I, I, I was like stabbing the ball and uh, just uh, w- wasn't loose enough really. And he also said that I was holding the cue a little bit too too far. Up. Far back on the butt, so uh, I made like a few adjustments to my cue action. Uh, I'm modding the the uh, the butt of the cue really really loose now, uh, and just come up the cue a little bit with with my hand. And uh, obviously, it took a while to get used to that, and it probably affected my game for about a month. Uh, yeah. I, I was playing really really good in practice, but I wasn't really getting the results in the matches because I, I I was thinking about it a lot, and then. Uh, uh, and then I went to Asia. I played a few events there, like the China Open around set, set, uh, September. And I, I felt I felt good about my game, but I just wasn't getting the results. The the confidence were like pretty low. Uh, and then then it's just a question of getting the results. And then I, I went to a tournament in Sarajevo in October, and I played really well there. Uh, I, I I eventually lost to Ralph Suke in the semi final, but I come away from there like feeling really happy about my game. And I feel as though I, I turned a corner then, and then obviously from the Sarajevo Open, I went to the U.S. Open, and then I, then obviously I, I managed to win that. And then, and then like uh, the way I, I'm molding the queue now, and the way I, I feel about my game, I, I feel as though like just just making like a few adjustments with, with my queue action has like made a, a massive difference to me. Like, which is strange, really, when you, when you've been playing. Uh, I've been playing pool like for a, a long time now, like so. So like to make a change at 54 years old, like we 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 a action and, and like the way you're sighting the ball is like uh, I think it's a difficult thing like to to adjust when you've been doing like more or less the the uh, same uh, cue action like for 18 years. So yeah, um, but obviously I, I think any player, whether it's uh, Efren, Ralph, Sue, Sue, okay, like they're always like a spell d- during the year where. They don't get the results they would like, but just because of the nature of the game and uh, a lot of the events that I didn't particularly play bad. Like just that, me opponents were were like playing really, really good. So, uh, so you you need a little bit of luck at the right time, like you say. But uh, but uh, calm, confidence is definitely like the key to uh, success playing playing pool because it's a very positive game. If you think it and. Anything negative, then 
than like uh, uh, with pull, like you've nothing where to uh, you, you you don't have anywhere to hide. Can I can I expound on that just a little bit? You talk about confidence and, and what a powerful ingredient it is to your pool game. But yeah. the last couple of days at the U.S. Open, you had to play guys who'd already won the U.S. Open, Mika Eminen and Corey Duell. So they had yeah. already been there. And Mika, of course, is a many-time world champion. How do you go yeah. into a match against these guys with confidence? I know you can go into a match determined, but can you really go in confident? Yeah, well, obviously, uh, you like to prepare yourself for the matches. And uh, uh, I just think some, uh, obviously, like, I think during the US Open, I, I like I had a really tough, tough draw, like from like the second round, really. Uh, and then I, I played Ronnie Alcano in the third round. That I'd be uh, that I'd be a really, a really good talented player from uh, Scotland called uh, Jason Shaw in the fourth round. Uh, who plays at around the same speed as uh, Chris Mellin, and, and then I, and then I beat Efren Ray in round five. So uh, once you beat them guys, you're thinking, well, you've nothing to fear really, because obviously uh, the caliber of like Efren Ray and uh, Al Carno, like who's like one everything uh, in the game. So uh, yeah, so obviously going into the match with Corey and uh, Mika, who's won it before. I, I like uh, didn't really put much much pressure on myself. I'm like thinking, well, uh, Mika has probably more more pressure on me because he's trying to win it for the third time, and I'm uh, and I'm the guy trying to stop him. Uh, but all but also it helps that I have I have a pretty good uh, record against Mika as well, uh, Ed 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 to Ed. Uh, so that so that definitely helps. Like you go going into the match knowing that you've beaten the guy uh, before. So yeah, I, I just went into the matches uh, with the same frame of mind as when I played uh, Reyes, really, or Ronnie Al Alcan, or like just just try and play your own game, uh, but uh, but uh, but at the same time, just make make sure like you don't give anything away easy, like to uh, a caliber of if, uh, of the caliber of the likes of Meeker and Corey. So yeah, just uh, I think. I think uh, with pool as well. I think especially the U.S. Open or the World Championships is that if you get to the latter stages of the event, so like uh, like at the U.S. Open, for example, I played Corey Jewell in, in in my first match with him was in the last eight of the winners' side. So I'm like guaranteed ninth then. So like you're like deep into the event. Uh, I think a little bit of the pressure goes away then. It's more like you think, uh, and then you start to think about winning the event itself. Uh, so then you you just think well you you like playing good enough so you just got to uh, you just got to to uh, stay in stay in your own zone really and uh, obviously it worked out really 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 good for me uh, but uh, but yeah like, I think I think the biggest thing is like I think a lot uh, what a lot of amateurs do wrong is that they don't really believe in themselves enough where I'm I'm one of them players who's got like a lot of belief in my own ability. Uh, and I feel as though I'm pretty strong on the mental side of the game, and uh, obviously uh, I think I think it showed at the U.S. Open because I, I wasn't just playing for the U.S. Open; I, I was also playing for a, a spot in the Moss Moscone Cup team. So like, uh, so like it was like like a uh, so it, yeah, it added a little bit more pressure to do well in the U.S. Open. But uh, but at the same time, I, I was just thinking about winning the U.S. Open, and, and then uh, then then everything else just takes care of itself then.
You know, I'm I'm curious. You mentioned the the pressure involved in the finals of the U.S. Open. When you look back over your year, um, team championships, you're captain of the team that's basically made up of what appears to be from our side of the the world your friends. You know, that yeah. team looked to be made up of of your your friends that you enjoy playing with, and and certainly the last people in the world that you want to let down. Um, yeah. You've got that kind of pressure. You've got playing in the finals of the U.S. Open. You've got playing at Moscone Cup, which is a whole nother kind of pressure. I mean, I mean, which of the three of those do you think was tougher? Uh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> I'd probably have to say the Moscone Cup because I think it's the most uh, recognized event. Uh, maybe, yeah, I think, I think worldwide I'd probably say the... Uh, the exposure you get from the Moscone Cup and uh, the hype, it, uh, the hype around it. Uh, obviously, for me as well, I'm probably a little bit biased, but it's like televised live on uh, Sky Sky Sports in England as well. So, uh, so obviously, it's a bit, it's always a, a little bit extra special for for me, like to play in that event. Uh, but. On a personal note, obviously the, the 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 U.S. Open is probably the biggest title to win in pool for a, a player. Even though, like you'd argue against the World Championships, but I think uh, the U.S. Open. I think if you win that, you sort of. Uh, I thought I'd, pro- I'd probably say the U.S. Open is the most difficult uh, tournament to win, but I think the most pressure, I'd have to say, the Moscone Cup because it's really intense. Uh, the rivalry between the teams is great, but I think it's in a. A good way. I think it's healthy for the game. Uh, but during the Moscone Cup, we don't really speak with the other team. Uh, but during the rest of the year, like we we're like pretty good friends with them. You know what I mean? So uh, the Moscone Cup, it, it just creates its own pressure. It's really the races are short. Uh, you 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 like playing for Europe as well, and obviously the Americans are playing for the America. So so like you don't want to let uh, your country down. You, you don't want to let your team down. At, and obviously, every shot is really in, intense. It's like uh, every shot is really important. You know what I mean? Uh, where, where if you're playing like in a singles event, like for example, when I played in the US Open, I played in the final there against Corey Jewel. It's a race to 15, so you can sort of get away with like making one or two mistakes in uh, a sing- singles match. But when you're playing like a race to six in uh, a team match and uh, I think if you make one or two mistakes in the Moscone Cup, then uh, you, 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 you like probably get beat. Uh, so I, I'd probably say there's definitely more pressure in the Moscone Cup, but a different type of pressure. It's more in, intense than the Moscone Cup, where like uh, a singles event like the US Open, it's more like it's more like uh, it's just like pressure you have for yourself. Uh, you're only you're only really playing for yourself and like maybe your friends and. You're back home, so uh, so you aren't really letting anyone else you aren't letting anyone else down at, uh, except for yourself, really. And uh, and the, the world the world team championship was sort of a different type of pressure. It's more cost cost like it was the first time that that they had staged staged the event before. So uh, so it, it was in, so it was something new and fresh, very exciting. Uh, but but at the same time, a very similar pressure to the. Uh, Moscone Cup, but I'd probably say uh, 
not as much because the races were like pretty longer in the World Team Team Championships. Uh, so yeah, I think they, they all had like slight, slight, slightly different pressure. But obviously, when when you're playing team matches, it's a little bit it's a little bit more intense, and uh, you don't want to let your your like fellow team down. You mentioned the uh, that you guys don't talk to the other team at Moscone Cup while yeah. during the year. You know, it's much more of a friendly basis. This year, it yep. did seem to get a little a little ugly. Now, Jerry could probably comment more on this than than I could, but from from what I saw, it did seem to get a little ugly. Um, you know, there was talk after the tournament was over between. Uh, Dennis and Carl Boys, and there was even talk about a uh, a challenge match between the two of them. Uh, you think that's yeah. just getting caught up in the moment, or or what? Uh, possibly. Obviously, I think before the event there was quite a bit of hype and a bit of banter, but uh, like obviously Rod 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 uh, Rodney Morris put a comment out saying that he thinks that they have a lot like a lot more art than the Euro- Euro- European players, so. So I like responded to that saying uh, I don't think it's true, and because like both, I think what happens now with the Moscone Cup, it, it isn't like it like it was in 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 like the early days of of like the 90s where the European players were just trying trying to give the Americans a game. Where like I think the last uh, four five five years, like the teams are very, I think it's 50-50 match now. Like uh, so obviously. Both, both, both teams like are looking for that edge. You know what I mean? Like so, like the banter in the press. I just think it's really, really, really good for the game. It uh, creates a lot of hype, uh, and a, a lot of it's tongue in cheek, really. Uh, but obviously, so, some of the fans take it like uh, a little bit more ser- serious than 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 the players. But uh, but the Moscone Cup just like seems to create that hype, and uh, obviously a couple of things got said during the Moscone Cup. I think uh, I, I was actually playing a, a doubles match with Carl Boys, and uh, Dennis actually was in the crowd, and uh, Carl missed. I think he missed a, a ball in one of the racks, and Dennis actually uh, he shouted out weakest link to uh, Carl. <laughs> uh, so that, so obviously that uh, that uh, didn't go down very good with Carl. Uh, so like they had they had a bit of banter between the two, but I don't but I don't think Dennis meant it in a bad way. Uh, obviously, like he's like passionate about pool, he's passionate about playing for USA. So uh, uh, and I'm sure that that uh, Dennis Den, Dennis has got a lot of respect for Carl. It's just uh, maybe 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 because it was Carl's uh, first first time time there, like so he's like the rookie in the team. Uh, so yeah, so after the event, uh, I believe that Dennis actually uh, challenged our boys to a money match, uh, but Carl uh, 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 hasn't got like an history of playing for money, so I don't think anything was ever going to come of that. Uh, so I, I don't, I don't know if it's because of the Moscone Cup or not. I'm, I'm not too sure. Uh, uh, but yeah, I, I think it, it's healthy for the game, like as long as. Uh, Long as it, long as it doesn't get out of hand. I do have one thing I want to ask you about on the Moscone Cup. <clears throat> yeah, I was watching it from the commentary booth with Jim Weich. Yeah, halfway through the third day, the yeah. Americans came out flat. They didn't have any fire in their eyes. They weren't excited. 
it was almost yeah. as if they were trying to stay calm and cool and collected, whereas yeah. the Europeans were still excited, their eyes were still burning, and from that point on, Europe ran over Team America. I'm yeah. curious if Europe saw that. Did you also notice that they came out flat halfway through the third day? Uh, possibly. Like, uh, it's like on the first, the, the event starts on Thursday, which is day one, and uh, you start off with a team match, and then you play a couple of doubles matches. And we were sort of just trying to find his feet, uh, looking to get like the uh, cost, cost like the table played really, really quickly as well. So like the first day is always like the toughest day because you're a bit nervous, everything else, and then like the second day. You just don't want, you just don't, you just don't want to like get too far behind on the second day. Where if you remember last year, I think we was on seven two after after the second day. So we 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 was like determined to get off to a better start this year. Uh, so like you said, we we went into the third day. I think we was losing five four after the second day. So we went into the third day and we we looked at the uh, the Saturday. The the third day is like moving day to like put ourselves in like. Uh, in a good situation for the last day, uh, so uh, maybe it made it. I don't think the Americans were too happy when uh, Matchroom, because uh, like the original race was a race to six, uh, but on Saturday because we, we was a match behind, they reduced the races to five, and uh, I know that Johnny Archer was he he wasn't happy with that because I. I uh, because I'm pretty good friends with Johnny Archer. Out of all the team, I'd probably say that I get on better with him than I do with the rest of the guys. And and I was speaking to Johnny Archer on 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 the Saturday, like, and he he wasn't very happy at all, like that. Uh, the reducer races to uh, five from six, and uh, even though it doesn't sound much like it, does make a, a big dif- difference, I think. And uh, and we had a meeting about playing races to five, and I said to the guys uh, that I think it. I've, I think it's better for us because the matches are guaranteed to be close. So, like, the crowd's going to be more in, involved now in the matches. So, I just think, if, like, like if you get matches what's, like, 3-3 free, free in a, a race to five, like, then uh, the crowd's going to get really, 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 really in, into the matches. And I think that's what happened, really. I, I think the uh, the Americans didn't come out Probably like as fired up as what they did on the Friday, and uh, we we uh, come out really playing uh, strong on the Saturday afternoon. Uh, I think I think we might have won like all three points on the uh, Saturday afternoon, uh, and, that, and that obviously put them on the back on the the uh, back back foot then, like for the Saturday night session. Uh, but uh, I'm not I'm not too sure whether we actually seen it, but. Uh, I definitely think that they maybe like dropped a level in their game, and that I think we we uh, we like sort of got stronger as as the event went on. Like, and uh, I think I think on the Saturday night I played Dennis Hatch, and uh, obviously to to win to win that point to to make it seven six to uh, us, I think it uh, sort of like hurt him a little bit because like obviously Dennis had a real. A real, a really good chance to beat me, uh, and then obviously we we come out of the third day with a an eight eight six lead. Uh, lead. So yeah, I think obviously Saturday was a massive day for us. Yeah.
I heard through the grapevine that uh, that you were contemplating moving to the states. Is that true? Yeah, I've already I've done. Uh, I've uh, obviously I'm at the Derby City Classic now, uh, and then from here I go to Pennsylvania next week in uh, Allentown. Uh, I, I, I've been thinking about moving to America for about two years, uh, but obviously after winning the U.S. Open. I decided then, like that, I think I'm uh, I'm uh, going to give it a try. Uh, 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 originally, I was going to go to Florida, but I uh, met a girl from uh, Allentown, uh, and obviously things are going really, really good with her. So uh, I've decided that 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 uh, that is where I'm I'm going to base. Uh, and it's not a bad place to live. It, it's pretty close, like to the uh, like it's on. The, on like the east coast which which is pretty good like for getting around to, to play like uh i think it's probably like the best place from the east east coast for playing pool in in america uh it's just a shame about the weather really it's not it's yeah. not very sunny there <laughs> and, and you're gonna love the fish and chips in allentown let me tell you yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm 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 really looking forward to it. It's like a, a new adventure, uh, and I, I just feel like it's a good opportunity for me to to come in. Now maybe I, I can get I cost me me sponsors like a base in America as well, so I, I can do a lot more for them. Uh, maybe maybe do some exhibitions and uh, some challenge matches and stuff like that, and obviously try and play in all the uh, ranking events on the. Uh, on the BCA, which I'm planning to do. So uh, I'm only going to play maybe two or three events in Europe this year. So all so like 80% of my pool this year is going to be played in America and Asia. Well, Darren, we'd really like to congratulate you on the year you had in 2010 on, and on being named Player of the Year. We hope you also have a yeah, great year in 2011. It. And uh, we'll look We'll look forward to seeing you at some events uh, coming up real soon. Uh, thanks very much yep. for being our guest, and uh, you have I really a good time appreciate it. I'm uh, guessing you, you guys are going to be at the World Eight Ball Championships in uh, Fujara. Yep. We will see you there. Awesome! Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Very good. We'll see you there, Darren. Talk to you soon. Cheers, Mike. Cheers, Jerry. Bye bye. I'll catch you guys later. You know, Jerry, you gotta you gotta have a lot of respect for a player who is Darren Appleton's level of play, won world championships. Prior to him doing this, he hadn't won the U.S. Open yet. But like I mentioned, I'm, Darren is is one of those players that anytime you see his name in the field of an event, you think that he's got a chance to win the tournament. But after struggling for a couple of months, he sat down with someone to review his fundamentals you don't see that in a whole lot of top players these days. At least, I don't think you do. Yeah, it's like Tiger Woods going to a swing coach, which, of course, he did. And uh, you, you do have to admire someone who will put their ego aside and say, well, maybe there is something else I can learn. Well, it certainly worked out for him in a big way. A couple of great guests this week. We'll be back in a couple of more weeks with something else to talk about and some more people to talk to. So right now for Simona's Cloth, the Tap League and Lucasi Hybrid Cues. I'm Jerry Forsyth for Mike Howerton. Thanks for listening to Run Out Radio. We'll talk to you down the road.